Welcome to the Warrior Mama podcast, as we learn how to apply God's Word to our lives in motherhood, finding in big and small ways that the truth of the gospel applies not just to our lives as moms, but also to our children's lives, so that as we stand anchored in Him, we mother confidently with our hearts at rest. I'm so glad you're joining me today at the kitchen table. Welcome back to the kitchen table this week. I'm so excited that you're here. Welcome to the Warrior Mama podcast. Yes, we've changed the name slightly, but only really to signify that as we go forward, we're going to be learning more and more how to be equipped and to stand in the truth of the word of God, in the truth of the gospel, not just for our lives, Not just because scripture calls us a warrior following after Jesus, but because we are actually warriors who are also mothers. And so the whole purpose of the name change is just to echo and hopefully to reverberate inside of your soul that this is what you are, despite the days that it feels hard or intense or defeating or discouraging, when you feel like you've messed it up and that you're losing the battle, more than anything, my heartbeat here is to equip you to understand the battle has been won. You walk behind a victorious warrior in your role, mama. So welcome to the kitchen table. This week, we're going to dive deep into a passage of scripture that I, I just love. It's a favorite place for me in the Word of God, and we're going to be talking this week about how do we pray for our kids? Yes. How do we walk in a way that is worthy of the gospel? That's something we hear in the Word of God, and I've always wanted to do that as a mom. But it felt like a lot of things to do and a lot of a list to make and follow through with. And I want to show you in scripture where God began to say, Bethany, Jesus came to set you free from performance. And that even means in performance in your motherhood as like, a you know, a good Christian mama. (laughs) So we're going to be camping down in Psalm 37, specifically verse 5, but we're going to kind of go above and below it. We want to put it in context. We want to study it. We're going to observe it, and we're going to dive deep into a couple of the words that the psalmist uses to understand God's invitation in this passage to you and to me. Then we're going to connect it into the New Testament where Jesus said the same thing, because it's important as we stand in the word of God that we understand, number one, God's word is consistent. It is consistent from beginning to end. It tells the gospel story. And as that consistency is shown to us and we can begin to stand on his word, we are confident in what his word says. And you know, it says, you know, writing his word on our heart. This passage for me 
is a passage God has written on my heart where I will hear, I will hear the invitation from God, Bethany, commit your way to me. Commit it. And I know exactly what he is inviting me to do in that moment. You see, for me, motherhood is very demanding. And that's not because I have eight kids. Motherhood was very demanding when I had one child. For me. It is and always has been. Um, I struggle with um, wanting to do everything well. It bleeds into beginning to be like anxiety and, um, and feeling like it's all up to me and feeling like I could really mess this up. Like I, I battle those thoughts every day and I am 24, almost 25 years into motherhood. I guess 25 years ago I was pregnant with my first. That's pretty crazy to think about right now, actually, but I'm still, I still have remnants of that thought process that bounce around my head. It is a very easy attack from the enemy to whisper those kinds of thoughts to me. Now I'm more equipped now to handle that. Uh, We get into that in, for instance, resetting your mind when motherhood seems hard. That course that I have, we talk a lot about these key concepts that have become for me a very necessary framework for when those ideas start to bounce in my head that, that I'm beginning to get anxious because I'm messing it up. I can't do it right. I don't even know what to do. I've never had a kid who acts it this way or have done this. I know exactly how to reframe because the Lord has taught me. That's what we talk about in that course, resetting your mind when motherhood is hard. And I encourage you that is in the show notes and you can go and be a part of this course, grab a friend and do it with her. It is invaluable. It is full of truths anchored in scripture that will become for you lifelines you can put up all over your house so that your mind does not become a playing field for an enemy who wants nothing more than just to make you feel defeated. But that's kind of a side. Motherhood for me has always been demanding. It was really hard just with one. I was super nervous. I didn't know at all what I was doing. There's so many late nights, right? (laughs) So many early mornings. My first one did not sleep. Like, some of my other ones have been good sleepers. My first one was not. And you know that question everybody always asks of, oh, is he a good baby? I really feel like what they mean is, does he sleep? And I had to say with my first one, no, and I don't sleep either. But motherhood is full of lots of work that goes unseen. Nobody else sees what you do, do they? They're not, it's not like going to work. You know, I, uh, my training, my job is a pediatric physical therapist. And when I go interact with somebody else's child and I am able to engage with them or teach them certain things or achieve goals or milestones, I mean, I'm applauded. I am loved there. I'm like the magical fairy that comes to play, right? I mean, but that doesn't happen at home with my own kids. And we make, we can make a lot of decisions every day and we're demanded of a lot, a lot of sacrifices given where we have to sacrifice. We have a lot of unmet expectations. I mean, we just wanted to have a quiet nap time where everybody napped at the same time and that never seems to happen. So we always feel like we can't just rest, right? And we make a lot of our energy 
just gets spent in the day and we end up feeling exhausted, don't we? And so that you have just a really good picture of me, because I think people love to paint pictures of other people. And so they decide other people are just genius at something that they're really not. So I really just want to give you an insight. Like these are some of my thoughts, like within 30 minutes, just so that you know. Um, I can worry about whether I should give Tylenol or Advil to a child. Should I give this or this? I don't know which is better. Not sure. Did I, am I planning a meal for tonight? Is it healthy? Is it a good meal or is it kind of a junky meal, but I'm just trying to get meal on the table or is there just no way we can even have a meal today? And, Ooh, I feel pretty guilty about that as well. We really should, I should cook more. I should probably meal plan. Are my kids watching too much TV? How many books have I had them read lately? Oh, I'm thinking this last one. I don't have him. I don't read enough to him. He's probably not being as read to as some of the others. That's probably going to mess him up. You know, am I seeing the needs of each of my children? Do I understand what they're wrestling with? Have I touched base with that 16 year old in the last couple of days? Or is he just kind of zooming all around doing his thing, but really needing some time with me? Did anyone see where the laundry has been put. I'm, I'm missing laundry for this kid. Can't find any uniforms for that kid. Why don't I do laundry better? Can I not get a better system? Why doesn't anybody listen to my system? You know, am I giving my kids enough STEM activities? Why do my kids fuss at each other? Why are we all fighting? And it's only seven 30 in the morning. Do you, do you see like that can fly through my brain faster than fast. And I am just caught up in all the, the things that I believe define motherhood. All these decisions I'm supposed to know how to make. All these ways I'm supposed to help my kids do this or do that. Become this way. Don't become this way. Speak these truths in. Teach these truths here. Lead them to this. Help them with that. And it is full of that. And I don't feel good, feel good. Both of those words are very intentional words I'm choosing there. I don't feel good about any of my decisions. The number one thing the Lord has had to reframe in my mind is that feeling is not equivalent with truth. We live in a culture right now where feeling is equivalent with truth, but that is not God's way. And we're going to talk about that in coming weeks so that you can understand that. But I don't feel good, but God has had to reframe my thinking and say, Bethany, number one, your feelings do not equate with truth. And I'm calling you to walk in truth. So this scripture now, now that you've heard all the crazy of me, and that is all the time unless I choose to stand on the word of God. Psalm 37, five, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. That's the verse we're going to hang in. This verse sits in a passage that we're probably familiar with. I mean, a lot of people are, uh, it says in verse three, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Verse four says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And then finally we have verse five. It says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. 
Verse 6, he will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his own way, over the man who carries out evil desire, evil devices. So it's almost like a list. And they all sound like imperative commands, don't they? Like, do this, do this, do this. If you do this, you'll get this. It's almost like a, if this, then this statement, right? And so we're going to look at verse five. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. So that sounds very much like a, if you do this, then God will do this. And at first glance, when I study this passage, it does seem like that. It's like a formula. If I commit my motherhood, if I commit my marriage, if I commit my work, if I commit my ministry, if I choose to do all these things for him, and I will choose to trust him, then he will act on my behalf. It sounds like a good trade, actually. Sounds like a promise sometimes that we can go, yeah, God, I'm going to hold to that. Because I do want him to do his work, to do his ways, to change hearts in my home, to mend hurts, to heal wounds. Like I want him to act in my home, right? Don't you? So it seems like a promise. But when it is set up like that, my friend, that if you do this, then God will do this. That is not the gospel. You see, that formula depends on me. That formula depends on you. It depends on us, right? You better commit. You better trust. And if he's not asking, acting, then I guess you're not committed enough. You're not trusting enough, right? And then that puts the big sack of performance on your back, doesn't it? And it's not the gospel. So we have to be careful when we read the word, that we understand the word. So then what does it mean? Well, the word commit in this first part. How do we commit? What do I commit? Is there a way to fail to commit, right? That all depends on me. This word in Hebrew means to roll, to roll. And the imagery is that of rolling rocks off of or over onto another surface. That's that idea of committing. It's like rolling rocks off of one surface to another surface. So it's, it's not a command of doing more, being more, attaining more, performing more. It is actually a beautiful invitation of grace. Truthfully, it's a display of his gospel. You see, this, this passage is in God is inviting you and he's inviting me to roll off all the rocks of performance and worry, the heavy stones of disappointment or pain that we've experienced, betrayal, sadness, the boulders of all of our fears, what what might happen, what is happening, even the rubble, all the tiny little rocks of tasks like, did I make enough green vegetables this week for my kids? Like it's that's rubble. 
but my goodness, it loads down on our backs. But God is inviting you. He's inviting me. He says, commit it all to me. Just commit it. And I'm I'm telling you, roll it off, daughter of mine. So then the next question becomes, oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. I got to roll that off. I got I to roll that. I've got to get that thing rolling. But what I want to invite you to understand is sandwiched in this passage, the posture of this passage is worship. It is trusting in the Lord. It is delighting yourself in the Lord, which means to become soft before him, to become pliable before him. And then later on, it says to be still before him. And I think what's interesting about this is when we're in a posture of worship, when I have chosen to bow before his throne, the slope of my back shifts, doesn't it? When I bow low before him, I say, I want to I just get soft before him. The pull of his grace and his mercy patiently begin to loosen all those rocks and me trying to balance them all on my back and keeping my back up and stiff and holding tight to it all. My back can relax as I bow before him and you bow before him. And those rocks begin to roll off at his feet in his throne room. God invites you and he invites me to commit all of our motherhood to him. To roll all of it over to him. To allow all of it to tumble out of our hands, off of our backs. To commit all of it into his care. It's not a calling to work. It's a calling to surrender. It's an invitation to rest as we learn to trust him. And that means on the days where my brain is beginning to get stuffed full of rubble and boulders of fear and rocks of resentment and just stones, like when it's beginning to get stuffed full with all that, I can hear God saying, Bethany, just commit. Just be with me and commit. And I've got to begin to bow my knee in that moment. Say, God, I can't do it. I don't, I don't even, I don't know. I don't know how to help this kid with math. I don't know, God, how to help this child fall asleep at night. He won't sleep ever. I don't know how to potty train this one. I have done it multiple times and it's totally not working with this one. I don't know how to help this child have good friendships. I don't know how to help this one walk confidently because you made them like they don't believe that. I don't know how to help them. So those are, those are rocks that I've learned over the years to let tumble off in front of a throne room of grace, because there is a God who cares intimately about the potty training of my kid. He does. He really does. And he cares about yours too. And he cares intimately, intimately, about how much sleep your baby is getting, your two-year-old is getting. He specifically is interested 
in the heart and the mind of your little preteen child. He is engaged. And he's just inviting you to surrender it and allow him to work. Why? Because it says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act and he will act. He will act whether I surrendered or not. There's many times that I have been totally hoarding rocks on my back about something just certain I can solve it and I need to solve it. Like I'm the one who needs to do it. And God just works on his own behalf with my kid. And I'm stunned because that would not have been how I would have done it. But when we become get into a posture of surrender, when we understand the idea, the invitation is to roll it off, what it does for you and for me is we experience rest as God acts. And that, that is God's heartbeat for us. What does it mean to rest? I think it's confusing. I think we talk about it in our culture now and it's become some catchphrase. And, you know, I'm not sure we fully understand what it means in God's eyes to rest. Not the way I've read it in lots of different books, but when I look in scripture and we look specifically in Matthew 11, Jesus offers us basically this same concept. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will, he will act. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The rest in that second verse, that Matthew verse, when we look at that in the Greek, because the New Testament was written in Greek, it gives the illusion or the figurative picture of um, that I will stay you. So when he says, I will give you rest, he's saying, I will stay you. And I think I've talked about this before here. But do you understand like, um, and it's the kind of staying where it is in circles around and holds something up, holds something erect. And I love that visual here because Jesus is saying, come to me. I know you're laboring. I know you're heavy laden. You're bowed down with all that you're carrying, but I will give you rest. I will stay you. And what that means, mama, is that he says, I am going to wrap around you and I'm going to hold you erect in a way that the stays just like in a girdle in, of old, and we don't even understand the concept, but like, remember those old girdles that like we see like in old movies where they're, somebody's holding onto a bedpost and they're like tying them and cinching them in super tight and like the girl like would not be able to bend in her mid- midsection. It's that. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to hold you up. And, and you can rest. That's rest. When something else is supporting you, when you're not having to carry it all and hold everything together, when we understand what he means when he says in Colossians that Jesus holds it all together, this is the rest. This is the acting from Psalms. And he is inviting you and I to come. 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 
just come. That's why I think later on in Psalms 37, he says, be still before the Lord. The invitation is come, be with me, be with me. But what happens for me as a worry wart mama is the more I stew it all up in my head, the less I actually spend time with God. Full confession. The more I'm busy handling all the rocks on my back and dealing with all the stuff I think I need to deal with, the less I'm actually with the one who can perfectly deal with it all. And I don't know if that's you today, but before we go any further in this podcast series we're about to step into, I want you to begin to learn the posture of worship before a God who wants to take everything off of your back. To say to you, I have got it and I will act on your behalf and on your child's behalf. I am for you. Knowing that he holds it all together. It is a beautiful exchange. It is the gospel exchange. You bring nothing to the formula. You bring nothing to the equation. It's just like what it says in Ephesians 2. It is not us. Is but God. God does this for us because he loves us. He loves our kids and he loves us. Mama, if this is something that you want to see with more clarity, you want to understand more, and you're just not sure, like, man, you you believe it in the moment that you hear it, and then you get into your real everyday life, and like you can't hold on to these truths which I understand. I mean, like I have done this work. It's hard to hold tight to concepts of truth of scripture because everything around us can get really chaotic. It can make everything feel far away where we can't hold it tight and stand in the truth. If that's you, I want to invite you to come into my course, Resetting Your Mind When Motherhood Seems Hard. We work, um, We will work with you one-on-one if you need that. There's coaching available for that. But more importantly, those truths, you'll have all the truths of that course for you for the rest of the time. You can keep returning to it. You can keep coming back and realizing, oh, that's it again. That's what I need to stand on. This is the truth I need to remember. But the goal of that course is to anchor you in the word of God, not in an opinion, You're not going to hear Bethany's opinion on motherhood. I'm not going to give you the latest psychological reason why you can make your brain not buzz around with anxiety, worry, fear, doubt, apathy. I'm not going to, I don't have that. I have the word of God. And so I'm going to anchor you in the word of God. I want to invite you there. Um, As we're moving forward in the podcast, we want to make the gospel really connect to your everyday moments so that you begin to see your world through the lens of Jesus and what he has done for you personally. I'm so thankful that you're here. I am so in awe that I get to spend time with you. And as always, you can find me on Instagram, reach out to me there. I love talking to mamas. I talk to a bunch of mamas there. 
You can find me at Bethany Kimsey there, and you can find me on my website. It's bethanykimsey.mykajabi.com. You can find me there. And again, find all the links for the course and for coaching and those things. Have a great day. Thanks for listening this week to the Warrior Mama podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support other Warrior Mamas, I'll tell you that one of the best ways that you can do is you can just share this podcast with your friends. You know, sometimes we love to talk about the things we like the most for our face, for our life, for our kids. Can I tell you that it would be a great blessing to begin to share with other moms the things that God is teaching you and the ways that He is growing you in Him. Our prayer over here at the Warrior Mama Podcast is that this podcast is something that does that for you in your life. So feel free to share it with your friends, post about it on social media, and of course, leave a rating and a review. I love seeing what God is doing in your lives. And I look forward to sitting with you at the kitchen table again next week.